The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Alan, can you name three things that you like about yourself? How long have you got? Yeah, half an hour. Oh, I'll go and write a list. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a few. A list of things that he likes about himself. He's very self-assured, isn't he? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. He likes himself. He has his flaws, but he's confident about all he likes about himself. Yeah, we like that about people. That's a good That's a good thing to know about yourself. You've been itching to tell me a story all day, but saving it for now. I have. This is your opportunity. I just had a funny conversation with my daughter this week, which I wanted to share on the podcast because it made me chortle. I was cleaning up my daughter Nellie's bedroom the other day and I picked up her pillow and I was making her bed and I picked up her pillow and underneath it there was lots of little bits of like white stuff. I was like, what's that? What's that? It's really weird. So I went out and into the lounge and said, Nellie, what's all this like white stuff under your pillow? She said, oh, mummy, every time we have burgers, I've been collecting the little bits of gristle inside <laughs> to put under my pillow to trick the tooth fairy. What? So she has been like, this is how often we have burgers, like once every two weeks. And if she finds a little bit of gristle inside it, she sort of squirrels it away. And then she puts it in a little bag and puts it under her pillow because she thinks the tooth fairy is going to give her money. Oh, my God. She's a genius. <laughs> that is total genius. I mean, it's half genius, half madness. Oh, yeah. There's, there's ants and maggots all under that pillow with it as well. <laughs> I mean, my daughter is storing rotten meat under her <laughs> pillow at night. It was quite the find, I can tell you. She is at that fun age at the moment where she constantly has at least one tooth that is shaking. <laughs> yes. Every time I come around, she's like, hey, Michelle, my teeth. Yeah, there's she's... one that's facing the wrong way or one that's three quarters of the way out. It happens when you're six. You sort of turn into Nanny McPhee. Yeah. It's like the people on The Simpsons. All the English people have terrible teeth. She's like that. She's like got rotten teeth. One's fallen out. One's falling out. One's wobbly. Yeah, so she's got lots of weird random things that I will share with you often, Hamish. But she's so creative. I can't help but love her, of course, because she's my daughter. But her creative mind really uh, inspires me sometimes. She's going to be a scam artist. That's yeah. what we're getting at here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully she can give me a bit of a backhand. But this week's been different to previous week's. Because I was the one setting the challenge, Vic. Yeah. And we have just returned this minute from Brisbane. Yep. Where I took you to a breathwork course. How did you find it? Well, 
I just cannot believe that that experience was just so overwhelming for me. I just can't believe that we've just been through that together, quite mm. honestly, Hamish. It was quite an emotional roller coaster. But when I walked in, I was really nervous and really self-conscious because I was in a new place with people I'd never met before. And I'm not a very spiritual or outgoing person when it comes to that kind of realm. I'm very judgy and kind of go in there with a sort of negative frame of mind. Mm. So, you know, I went with you because it was a challenge and it's something that I wouldn't normally do and I was up for it. So I went in feeling nervous. I came Came out feeling changed. Amazing, isn't it? So it's a company called Breath Collective. And we started off by sort of getting to know each other, having a quick conversation, moving. They said, let's get you moving around the room. Then we had to do an exercise when you chose a partner that wasn't someone you came with and you shared your sort of happiness and your vulnerability. And then you reflected it to each other and yep. try to ascertain what they were going through. Um, and then we started this breath work. Yeah. And it was a journey, wasn't it? We, it we... was. I cannot even describe to the listeners what went on in that mm. hour. And I'm not prone to that sort of thing. I just thought, right, I'm going to relax. I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to do what they tell me to do. It's an hour of my life that I'm going to give over to these people because I guess they know what they're doing. And in it, the thoughts that came up and the emotions and so many things about my children, about my work and about how I'd sort of lost my way a little bit and my connection with my family and my and myself. I mean, it was really intense. I've never experienced anything like it. And I think for anybody out there that ever wants to try anything different, go and do one of those breathwork courses because it is actually just a fascinating day out for you to learn something about yourself mm. and un actually understand your emotions and how much is repressed that needs to come out. And I just felt so much lighter afterwards. I felt like I'm going to change some of the things that I do and that I'm going to be more conscious about my behaviour and that I'm going to live a little little bit I'm going to live a life that's more fulfilled just because of that couple of hours I spent in a room with some random people yeah. today so yeah I highly recommend it it was wonderful I really enjoyed it me and Hamish had a nice cuddle didn't we afterwards yeah we did it was really nice to connect with people in that way and, and be rid of ego and all of those things and I think to connect it to, to drinking so Chris who runs it with his partner Anna he's been sober since 2018 and he says you know this is something that we can all do you know, can really connect to the people in the room sober. A lot of people come to this, it seems, when they find the sobriety. And actually, both of us talked about feeling high in there. You know, we're yeah. not drinking. You're literally just focusing on your in and out breaths and you are vibrating I and mean, you were so energised at the end. It was better than being drunk, you know? Yeah. It was much better than being yeah, drunk. because there was no down from it, it yeah. was there? It was like we just felt amazing. We did something really cool and it helped us understand some of our own behaviours, which is really interesting. I can't imagine anyone, anyone would come away from that going, oh, that was shit, yeah. <laughs> would they? Yeah, exactly. Even if it's out of the comfort zone, which is for many, many people, even the people in the room were admitting like, mm. this is way out of my comfort zone. I don't know how I'm going to feel. And they all came away going, wow, that was pretty amazing. I'll do it again for sure. Yeah. Now, so we know that some of you joined the Give Up Club and are now about nine weeks into your sobriety. And we'll be experiencing some of the huge wins that jog alongside giving up drinking. So today we want to talk about all of these advantages so that anyone that is listening can be inspired to start their sober journey. I know you love that phrase, Vic. Yeah. And those that are already on this twisty, turny path are encouraged to carry on. Yes, I guess like today, it is a journey of some sort. 
maybe we can say sober escapade or something like that. If you prefer. Yeah. Lucy and I did an episode about a year back called The Gift That Keeps On Giving because sobriety really does get better and easier the longer you do it. So today I want to tell you what's changed for me since then and find out what Hamish has in store. I also want to hear from some newly sober cuppa members to find out what positives they've experienced in the wibbly-wobbly early days of going alcohol-free. Great. I think this could be really motivational, Vic. Personally, I feel like I'm doing well so far and am reaping lots of amazing benefits, which I can't wait to share. I'm looking forward to hearing how others are doing. It helps inspire me and keep me on track. Today, you will go away understanding how sobriety is like a well-fitted suit. It's smart, it's slick, it builds your confidence, irons out your problems. And even though the trousers sometimes get stuck in your arse crack, it's way better than that dirty old pinstripe ensemble you found at the op shop in 1984. It's time to measure up and find out why going sober suits you, sir. Oh, suits you, sir. Let's start with the outside. The surface level stuff. I see lots of people before and after online posting pics of themselves comparing rock bottoms to smiling selfies. I admit, Hamish, they are quite inspiring sometimes, but I do still wonder what's really going on under that new six pack and those bright smiles. Are you 100% better if you look like you are? I'm not so sure. I think it might be a bit misleading. I agree. Sobriety has got nothing to do with your outsides or how others perceive you. Having a pert bottom and a perfect button nose does not mean you are happy. I don't know, Hamish. You're talking about me there. You know I am. (laughs) Anyway, sobriety is all about fixing the inside. Your brain, your heart, your general mental and physical health is what really matters here. Even though we don't want to be shallow, before we get under your skin, we want to share some of the changes we have seen on the outside so far. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that pert bottom, Hamish. It'll come. Sobriety, unfortunately, has made my bottom a little bit more saggy. Oh. Yes. But really, feeling good outside can instill a sense of accomplishment in you. And feeling good about how you look, as long as it's just for you, will spur you on this sober passage. Passage. Yes, Hamish, I'm going with passage. (laughs) (laughs) So, my newly sober friend, have you noticed any changes to your appearance so far on your sober endeavour? Yeah. So the first few weeks, I guess one of the first things I noticed was that I have less spots. I feel oh, like, okay. Which is always quite embarrassing. I feel like spots are okay in your teenage years. As soon yeah. as you hit 30, you're like, oh, I thought these don't happen anymore. But they have been happening, but less so. Or I don't even remember the last time I had a, a biggie since <laughs> going sober. <laughs> I don't think of you as being very spotty. No, thank you. That's... Are they spots on your face or is it your spotty body? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, I've never seen any spotty bodies. That I've, heard for I've heard a rumour. I've heard Liz, your wife, has told me, oh, he's got a very spotty bottom. Yeah, it's hey, better no now. mankini this time, mate, <laughs> yeah. not with that spotty body. <laughs> so no, generally, I feel like my skin is has been in, in a better state, which is good. Um, and I feel like although I'm more tired than I've ever been, obviously, with the birth of, of my son, Sonny, I feel as if I've looked a lot worse when I've felt this tired before. Yes, if right. that makes yeah. sense. That yeah. does make sense. The bags yeah. are not as bad as they have been in the past. But I feel as if physically I'm in good shape i just beat my best half marathon time from last year and actually i did less training than last year but i didn't drink okay so i wonder if that helped who knows i also feel good about the fact that i'm i'm still going to the gym the same amount that i did before but i'm not undoing all of that work by then getting hammered at the weekend okay yeah so i can't say that i've given up drinking and now i'm really really muscly and really really strong but i feel good that the work is probably maintaining yeah you know it's not being undone by getting hammered yeah totally i totally get you 
Yeah, I thought when I gave up Hamish that it was just about giving up drinking. Turns out I was totally wrong. It's much more to do with the changes that I noticed in myself when I looked in the mirror in the morning. It's a good reminder for me actually looking in the mirror because I, I think I would look different now if I was still drinking. What would I, you look like? I just look more bloated, mm. more tired, more unhappy, more pale. I didn't go out on Sunday, so I didn't get like the sun on me, so I generally just didn't look as well. Mm-hmm. When I look back of pictures of me in my early 20s, I don't look well, especially in my eyes. I call them like dead shark eyes I've got. There's just, they're just black and there's... There's no one in there. It's really horrible to see, actually. So, yeah, I definitely look better now than I did when I was a drinker. A lot of people find that their stomach shrinks, actually. I haven't had that so much, but I have had three kids. And there was something I read online about the stomach, actually, that the toxins in alcohol actually irritate the stomach lining. And as a result, your body experiences erosions of the internal stomach lining that causes inflammation. So actually, drinking alcohol does cause your stomach to bloat out. And that is what a beer belly is. Right. It's just an extended stomach because of the toxins that are inside you. When you stop drinking, it totally repairs the bl- and the bloating goes down. One of the things I notice is, of course, the more sparkly eyes, the happier eyes, the dead eyes have gone. My breath is less stinky. I know that's not like you can see it, but I almost feel like you could have seen my breath when I was a drinker. It was kind of like a a green, toxic gas coming out of my mouth. You just see the grimace of the people sitting opposite (laughs) you. That's how you see breath. Yeah, it was a visual thing. (laughs) It sounds like it isn't, but yeah, you could see my breath. It's almost like the steam in the morning on a cold day, but green, yeah. When I smile, my teeth aren't perfect, of course. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any fake teeth put in quite yet. But my teeth are not amazing. But I think they would have deteriorated more if I'd kept on drinking. And now I take more care of my teeth because I don't pass out without brushing them. Mm-hmm. That was something I did a lot when I was a drinker, was go and party, drink all night. And all of those, I think it's like acids and stuff in the alcohol, especially if I was sick, all that bile would have affected my teeth. And because of that, I've ha- I do have bad teeth. This and is becoming a teeth episode. You realise that? It is, yeah. <laughs> it's all about teeth. We didn't know we were making a teeth episode here. <laughs> yeah. Teeth and stinky breath and spotty bodies. So my hair is thicker. I'm still going grey, but I'm not worried about that. I get pedicures. I treat myself and I treat my body to stuff a bit more now, which is nice. I'm more accepting of the ageing process now. I definitely feel privileged to age. I know that some people Mm -hmm. don't get to, um, and I'm very grateful for the fact that I've even got to 40 or 50 or however old I get to. I feel privileged because I know that some people, unfortunately, don't get to the ages that we get to, which I think is a really nice way to to look at it. And then that makes you accept yourself and your body and how you look a bit more. And that's why I'm good with my grey hairs and things. And I'm not one to get surgery. I'm not one to change my face. I don't think yet. Things might change in five or ten years where I might hate myself. But I don't see that happening. And I do feel sad when I see people with surgery, with big, you know, pumped up lips and, and, you know, fake hair, all this fake fashion that's on at the moment. You know, on Instagram, everybody looks the same, basically, because they've all got the same Mm. lip and the same hairstyle and, you know, contact lenses in with these amazing colours. I just feel like there's a sense of, feeling that we're not good enough so therefore we need to change ourselves which I think is really sad it makes me want to kind of grab I see these young sort of 19 year old girls on the walking through Brisbane that are beautiful and they don't know how beautiful they are so they've pumped their lips with with Botox which of course is botulism in what is it it's like some sort of cow 
toxin. Cow sperm. Yeah, it's how it is. Cow sperm. Yeah. We're not doctors. Yeah, we're not doctors. Yeah. Yeah, It's cow sperm. Yeah. I don't know what it is, basically. So that's probably a good enough reason not to have it in my face. But I know, I feel the same way. It brings out a really ugly side of my character seeing people that have had work done because I've. Yeah, it makes me feel angry. I'm just like, oh, like, this is what's wrong with the world. You don't need to change your face. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And I feel like I maybe rather than being critical, I should be more compassionate and go, hey, if, if you're really unhappy with your face and you get some, you know, you go under the knife and they've changed your face and you feel happy, who am I to judge you for taking that action? But I wonder, I think you're right there. Like, I do wonder whether it's that reason, like you're just not happy with yourself or is there something deeper or some trauma that you haven't dealt with that you're trying to please everybody still with the way that you look? Yeah. So it could be deeper than that, something that could be solved without you changing your face and just learning to accept who you are. Yes. That's a whole other conversation, I think, because it's really interesting that, that people don't feel good enough in our society, that they want to change their bodies to appease other people's opinions, which which isn't a great thing to do, no, is it's it? It's a shocker. It's a it shocker. is a shocker. Um, so there's so many things. Yeah, my clear skin is definitely one. And taking off my makeup at night helps. I never used to do that. I just used to pass out with all my makeup on and then my skin would be all horrible in the morning. So mm-hmm. now I just take care of my body more. I'm more aware of it and more conscious of what I do with it. And that makes me more accepting of the way I look. The skin's a big difference that newly sober peeps experience very early on. After your seven-day stretch of sobriety, your skin will begin to have a dewy, healthier look and a youthful glow due to restored hydration. After a month of staying margarita-free, your skin will likely be significantly healthier looking. You will have less inflammation, more even tone and a more sprightly look about you. So there are huge wins very early on and people will notice. Yep, I often get people saying how sparkly my eyes are and how healthy I look. They sometimes use the term bubbly, Hamish. I'm not sure that's a compliment, that's though. not smart with someone who's sober. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Do you feel differently about your body now that you're sober, though, Vic? Well, yeah, like I said, I'm more accepting of the ageing process. I'm just happier. I know I'm not perfect. Nobody is. And I'm more proud of my shape now. I've had three children. Like, what can I do? I've got a belly. Mm -hmm. There's not much I can do about it. It flaps over. I can carry the shopping in it. (laughs) Carry a child in it. Carry a child in it. You can do anything with it. I mean, I would like to lose it. That's part of me that is a woman and wants to be slimmer. Mm -hmm. There is that in my brain and it annoys me about myself. But I think now I'm more conscious about being healthy and it not being to appease somebody else's opinion, like I said. I don't mind people looking at me and thinking, oh, she's a bit overweight. That doesn't bother me. But for me, you know, a couple of years ago, I got really fit doing loads and loads of boxing and Mm. I felt amazing. So I know how that feels and I always want to kind of get back to that because I know when I feel good and I look good, it has kind of a continuing circle of of benefits, really. Well, there's a distinction though, isn't there, between feeling good and looking good. Really, if you feel good, that's important. If somebody looks at you and goes, oh, she should lose her belly yeah it doesn't matter if you feel good you know if you feel good it doesn't matter yeah it's kind of like a defense mechanism it's saying i don't really care what you think what i think about me matters because that is really at the end of the day that is all that matters is what you think about yourself nurses we just want to thank you for everything you do we are shiftkey.com Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. Shiftkey.com. Start today.
So I'm just grateful that I'm here and that I'm alive and that I'm healthy. I do want to do more exercise, but with three kids and everything I do, mm. time is an issue for me. How about you, Hamish? You seem so confident. I feel like men are a little bit kinder to themselves about their bodies. How do you feel about yours? Yeah, I guess we are. I think that's why I'm in a way a little bit relieved I've got a son and not a daughter because I think it's slightly easier as a man really with regards to that. So yeah, I've I've always been very thin and very scrawny. Um, and only recently have I sort of begin to bulk up a little bit, but I've I've never really minded the way that I've looked. And mm. I think I'm very aware that that is a privilege, you know, to mm. to not hate elements of my body. Yeah. I've got a huge nose that hasn't changed from drinking less. Yeah, I had noticed that. <laughs> yeah, that it's getting that, in the way. So, so, yeah, I, I, I'm miles away from this mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's not going to change. It's but... not really that big. <laughs> it's not really that big. It does feel good though to know that I am as fit and I guess as muscly as I've probably ever been while still being a dad and being busier than I've ever been with three jobs. So that there's a level of sort of pride hmm. in the fact that I'm happy with the way I look even okay. though life has changed significantly in the last few months. I wonder if people sometimes drink because they're not happy about the way they look, yeah. which is a shame, isn't it? I and mean, it's that's, a snowball. It's a snowball, yeah, because the worse you look, yeah, mm. and then you're going to be drinking more. and Yeah, it's a vicious cycle, it really is. Actually, I think people do it not only because of that, but also they think if I drink, then I'm not hungry. Okay, so, yeah, you know, people get, pit, you know, skip dinner and get hammering overnight out and dance. Yeah. You know, sweet, I'm not eating. I've got no calories in me. Well, I've drunk all my calories rather than eating them. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. It doesn't make any difference. Mm. You're still going to feel like shit and look awful the next day yeah. if you do go out on one of those well, nights. Well, look at any gap year student. Yeah. All of us. <laughs> ate very little and drunk a lot and all of us put on weight. If yeah. you want to have a look <laughs> yeah. at proof that drinking puts on weight, look at a gap year student at the end of their <laughs> yeah. six months in Thailand compared to the beginning, you can yeah. see it. And I just ate onion rings a lot. I used to see everything in the deep fat fryer when I was yeah. at uni. It was like, shove it in the deep fat fryer, we'll eat that, then we'll go and get pissed. No wonder we look like bloaters. Yeah, it didn't look great, <laughs> did we? So let's head under the skin now, deeper into the nitty gritty of who we are as people. Another weird and wonderful side effect of no longer downing pints at the pub is how you evolve as a human being. When you get sober, you feel and care more. And that has lots of positive fallout for you and everyone around you. So true. I never knew that humans were capable of growing, Hamish. I mean, today is a perfect example of that at mm. our breathing session. You look like you never stopped going, actually. No, that's just an erection. <laughs> oh, right, that's all right then. I thought that was your nose. I thought you were just born who you are and you were intended to be that way forevermore and that people never altered. I sort of accepted my own fate, Hamish. I'm a drinker, I'm a partier, I'm a people pleaser, I'm shit with money, all of those things. I thought really I was destined for the scrap heap and would be that way forever until I gave up drinking. Then I realised I'm none of those things. I don't know, I'm still a bit of a people pleaser though. <laughs> I was able to grasp onto more hope for me when I gave up drinking. I began to believe I could achieve anything. It was an amazing transformation from party girl to functional mother and operative citizen of this earth with sobriety my personality changed too it was a big surprise i know it's still early days for you hamish but do you notice any changes in your personality i don't want to sound like a prick here mm, okay but <laughs> there is and i'm sure that sober people can relate to, to this there is a level of self-congratulatory smugness <laughs> yeah. in getting into bed every day 
and sort of patting yourself on the back for yep. achieving this thing of one more day sober, yep. one more day of something that lots of people struggle to do or don't even try and do, yep. you've like reached another day of being sober. Yeah, and you should be proud of that and you should go to yes, bed feeling smug because I that do. is not an easy thing to do. But it's difficult to speak to people who drink and not sound like a prick when you say that. Yes, I understand <laughs> that because they'll just hate you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I also know that what I'm doing is best for me and it's best for my family, which feeds into life liking myself more and being more proud of my decisions. So it's quite reaffirming in that way. Mm. So I guess really that's more confidence, which could lead to more smugness. We're getting in a smugness roundabout here. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with a smugness roundabout. (laughs) And with each passing day, I feel as though my sobriety and doing this podcast and communicating with people on Cuppa might be inspiring people. That's the hope. If just one person is inspired enough to face up to an unhealthy habit and go sober and turn their lives around. I've had a few friends of mine reach out and say, hey, this is great. I'm going to try and go sober with you. Yeah. That would be my biggest motivation. And I actually, I can't overestimate the effect that you and Lucy have had on people's lives already in just starting this podcast. And I guess I want to carry on that work and, and do the same. And that does make you feel good. I mean, I get those lovely emails every week and that, that you're starting to get now mm. of people saying, look, I've given up drinking because of listening to this podcast. And I've realised that, you know, my very normal drinking habit that's affecting me in a negative way is not good for me and I want to change. And they reach out and they they ask you loads of questions and they give you loads of compliments. And you can't help going to bed feeling like, yeah. oh, actually, I've done something all right today. I've helped someone. My friend Joe's got a business called Smug AF, which is mm-hmm. a mocktail company. So it's smug alcohol free. And it's called that exactly for that reason, because sober people do feel a little bit smug sometimes. Yeah. And that's OK. But it's getting those letters. It's such a, all those emails, whatever it is. It's such a reminder that like this is the best thing that I'm doing in my life. You yeah. know, me going sober and then talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. And, you know, the people that reach out to you from all over the world, yeah. it's just the best decision ever for me. Yeah. And you've had it for years. Yeah, You've had people saying that for ages. Yeah, and that's what keeps me going, actually, mm. is like sometimes I doubt myself. Of course I have moments of doubt and self-awareness where I think, gosh, putting myself out there like this, telling all my awful stories. But if it helps someone, you know, that's what keeps me going, keeps me motivated. Yeah. And that makes me feel good doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. And it makes us feel good to hear your terrible stories. Yes, yeah. yeah. My bottom <laughs> stories. They're always bottom related or fanny related, aren't they? Yeah, it's <laughs> Some usually STDs. Sexcapade. <laughs> So for me, um, sobriety has changed me hugely in in many ways, even since last year, since me and Lucy did that other podcast. Um, A friend of mine, Nick, my good friend in England, he listened to the podcast and I hadn't spoken to him for a while. And he's been listening since we spoke over a year. He said, it's so weird, Vic. I haven't seen you or spoken to you for such a long time. He said, it is a different person speaking on that podcast compared to the person that I knew. And I said, why is that? Why is that? He said, well, you sound like you've matured and that you sound like you know what you're talking about. Because he knew me as someone that the only thing I was doing was, you know, saying, right, let's go to the pub. Mm -hmm. What are we doing this weekend? Like there was nothing intellectual about it or or authentic. It was just like, let's go and get pissed and find out what happens and go on an adventure. That was it. And then laugh about it the next day. There was nothing deeper than that. It was very one level. And he just said, it's like a different person. And I can imagine, like, if you haven't spoken to me for, like, since I got sober, it is very much a different person. And somebody that's matured. And they say in the drinking world that 
the, you stop maturing the day that you start drinking. Yeah, yeah. So I started drinking when I was 13 or 14. And I think I stayed stunted at that age for very many years. Mm-hmm. And that's what's changed is that at 40, I gave up drinking and I've matured all of those 25 years in the last five years, yep. which has been really interesting. Yeah, so I don't have decks set up in my bedroom anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something that's changed. That's a bit disappointing. Yeah. You'd, be a, you'd be a cool mum. Yeah. And there's some other weird changes that I would never have expected. Like I care more about the environment, which is such a weird side effect of giving up drinking, especially dogs. I did a post on my Instagram last night. I just met this beautiful little chihuahua the other day. Like, don't get me near a rescue home or like one of those dog shelter things. I'll be adopting every single dog in there. I Whereas before, it. I didn't really care about animals. Yeah. And I've been vegetarian and vegan ever since I gave up drinking on and off. We adopted 50 dogs in a year. What? Yeah, we in Sydney. We, we became friends with a woman who like ran a rescue pound. Yeah. We got 50 dogs in a year. So what did you do with them? Where are they? We fostered them and then we'd find them homes. But it was right. it was wild. It was kind of good practice for having children. But Liz yeah. would go pick them up from the pound. Oh, and I'd say, lovely. Liz, only come back with two. Okay. And I'd come home and there would be six. Go, oh, come on. Six They're siblings. I couldn't, oh, that one was looking at me funny. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it'll get you, dogs. Dogs get you every time. Mm. I mean, that's one thing that's changed is that, like, rescue dogs, I just don't get me near them because I will adopt them all. I'm definitely better at listening. I'm a terrible interrupter. I know it about myself. It's just because I get very excited and want to tell somebody something quickly before mm-hmm. they finish what they're saying, mm-hmm. which is extremely annoying. I'm trying to be better at that. I'm trying to be more aware that conversations are a two-way <laughs> thing. I'm more confident when I talk. I don't question what I'm saying as much. I understand friendships better as well. I know my boundaries now. I'm no longer desperate to be liked and I know the people that I want to spend time with and the people that I don't. Mm-hmm. I recognise that now before I go. And I don't spend so much time trying to make people I don't like that much happy. I've yep. wasted a lot of time doing that throughout my life. I accept silence, believe it or not, Amos. <laughs> I'm happy to sit in silence with someone now, which is something that I could never have done before. I would have found it too awkward. Mm-hmm. I enjoy my own company. I'm kinder. I push myself out of my comfort zone more. I try and say yes to the things that I don't want to do. And I trust my hunches more. I'm better at making decisions and trusting that I'm making the right decision, which before I never really knew what I was doing. And the only decisions I was making was whether to have a pint of beer or a pint yeah. of cider. So I didn't really make Did you difference. find that most of those changes happened in your first year of sobriety or are they still happening even though you're now five years in? I would say the first year, it was just more of like a day-to-day I'm being sober and this is what I'm doing. I think the journey into the self, if we're going to oh, go there. Here we are. One breathwork session. <laughs> One Listen breathwork to her session. Now. <laughs> now she's gone. I think that is over more than two years of sobriety. I think yeah. you start to learn to like yourself and understand yourself and, and work out ways how being who you are can help others. Mm-hmm. It's a huge change and it does take time. But if you stick to your sobriety, these are all the things that will happen. Um, so, yeah, I don't care too much about the consequences. If I do make mistakes, I realise I can't please everyone. And as I said, I learned to trust myself, which was huge. That learning to process my emotions rather than drown them out with alcohol has been life-changing. 
So much good news here, Vic. That's all lovely to hear. There is a stigma around giving up drinking and people just focus on how boring it will be or how they will think their social life will suffer. But actually, it's so much more. It completely changes you inside and out for the better. You become more aware, more kind. So how does this happen? Why do we experience all of these bodily and personality changes when we stop the booze? Vic, you know we love a bit of science. Oh, I love a bit of science. Oh, oh, sir. In simple terms, giving up alcohol fixes the brain and we begin to feel like ourselves again. Like I said, with that gap between me starting drinking and me finishing drinking, I didn't know who I was in that whole period. So you become the person that you were before you started drinking. Slowly but surely, your brain starts to repair from the damage that your drinking has caused. You actually heal, repair in every way. No matter if you're a binge drinker or a more extreme drinker, a one-sided or at the barn dance kind of drinker or a stay-at-home wine sipper. Pouring that toxic depressant down your throat will damage you and your lovely body in so many ways. It's a big sacrifice for such a short-term high. But amazingly, if you do stop, you get to meet yourself again. And it's wonderful, like meeting an old friend that you knew was there, but she got a little lost on the way to the lock-in. I miss the old barn dance. Yeah, I miss the old barn dance do they as have well. Them here? I don't think they do. They don't on the Sunshine um, Coast. If anyone knows of a barn dance happening, please, can you please tell me and Hamish because we will be there. Yeah. Or we'll organise an alcohol free barn dance and we'll get our dozy dough on. Oh, yes. Down your partner, <laughs> dozy dough. <laughs> In short, quitting alcohol doesn't change your personality, but rather it reveals who you really are. That is exactly it. Yes, it shows you the caring, kind and emotional human that sat beneath that thick layer of boozy bullshit. Ego drifts away and you see you in the mirror instead of that scared, anxiety-filled, bloated face with the big nose. Thank you. (laughs) As part of this episode, we want to get some insight from some of our lovely Cuppa members and find out the changes that they noticed in themselves, like inside and out. We had Sharon email us and she said that sobriety has humbled her. She's less judgmental of people and things that are going wrong. She sees how her booze-entrenched life took over and she's so grateful that she escaped it. She says, I've become an observer and I'm quite happy to look and listen to people, especially at social gatherings when everyone's drinking. I'm happy thinking for myself and not following other people's opinions. Well, isn't that great? Yeah, good on you, Sharon. Eduardo says, I mean, my beer belly went away and my face is less puffed up, but the awesome changes are inside. Overall health is a lot better. Depressed days are more sparse. My digestive system is a brand new one. Oh, yes. Nothing like a brand new digestive system. Lovely. (laughs) Kath says sleep improved 100%. So many benefits from that one thing. That is a big one. Shannon says I can handle emotions so much better. I'm way more happy and the sun shines brighter where I live. Yep. Mary says I'm more content and peaceful. I don't have extreme mood swings. I don't take any blood pressure, anxiety or sleep medications. I've learned to set boundaries, which we talked about, in almost all areas and I stick to them. I really don't care what others think any longer. That's a very common theme. That is a big one. A common theme was taking charge of emotions and learning to like yourself enough not to care what others think. Yeah, I think I've never heard anyone ever say that they felt better and happier when they were a drinker once they've given up. Mm. The benefits of sobriety boot booze in that beer belly. So it sounds like for most, sobriety is empowering. You like yourself more, even though it can be a bit icky and uncomfortable at first. Each passing day is a huge leap forward. These wins, emotional and physical, egg you on to complete the next day. Then the year, then the decade, 
It's the wins that keep us going, Hamish. Vic and I both keep gratitude diaries, little books in which we write down all the things that we love or are proud of every day. It's a great idea. If you're new to sobriety, then start writing down the triumphs. Log them in any way. As each new emotion rises, express it. It's a great way to record your progress and see how far you've come. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I think there's a quote, it's Nelson Mandela that says, there is nothing like returning to a place that remains unchanged to find the ways in which you yourself have altered. And being sober will alter you. It's incredible. And I know it sounds unbelievable to those people there that are listening, that are newly sober. It isn't about giving up drinking in the end. It really isn't. It's about you finding that person that is underneath the alcohol. It's really a, a wonderful journey. Look at you quoting Nelson Mandela. You wouldn't have done that back in your drinking days. No, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I'm thinking I would have quoted the Spice Girls or something like that. <laughs> Focusing on the outside, like we discussed, is a great star and will make you feel great. But it's that under the skin development that makes the eyes sparkle. Yeah, remember, sobriety is not about giving up alcohol, as I just said. It's about rediscovering who you are without it. Yes, it's hard at first being that person in the pub holding the lemonade or the orange squash, whatever it might be. And you might feel like your personality is kind of melted out of the bottom of your flip-flops. But if you stick to sobriety, a confidence builds inside you and you actually become proud of who you are. Sounds like a happy circle of loveliness that just keeps getting better. Yep. That is cheesy, isn't it? It is. You'll feel like a whole new you. I believe you must love yourself first and be proud of who you are. The sober you. Warts, tummy flaps, big nose and all. <laughs> yeah. So good. I mean, we do sound quite cheesy, Hamish, sometimes, don't we? I would I would actually hate myself. If I was listening to this in my drinking days, I'd be thinking, who is this bloody idiot? Yeah. Who is this twat walking to the sound of her own drum? Yeah, just all the <laughs> linking arms and skipping towards the rainbows. <laughs> yeah. Picking daisies on my way. Yeah, I would have hated myself, but hey, what did I know? Thankfully, well, actually, no, I was going to say, thankfully, we don't have to listen to the podcast, but we probably listen to the podcast more than anyone. Yeah, we, we do. We have to edit it. We do. We edit it. We edit out all our faux pas, don't yeah. we? We've got a couple of quotes, actually, Hamish, haven't we? So many quotes about self-discovery on this one. Mm. God, I was trawling through them. I just... Everyone was kind of making me want to vomit, but I've chosen a couple for us here. This is one by Oprah Winfrey. I was once afraid of people saying, who does she think she is? Now I have the courage to stand and say, this is who I am. Love Oprah. Love it. The other one we found was by Lao Tzu. Probably less famous than Oprah Whitford. No, he's got a very famous book, Lao Tzu. I can't remember what it's called, but it's very famous. (laughs) Okay. Um, The quote, though, is a gem. He says, he who knows others is wise. He who knows himself is enlightened. Oh, yes, I definitely feel a bit enlightened after our breath work today, Hamish. It has been the theme of the day. It's been self-discovery, isn't it? It has a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm going to go home and put some of these things into my life on a daily basis. I'm going to go and be a bit kinder to my children. (laughs) Will we make it home tonight before it gets dark once we've read Alan's list of things he loves himself Oh, gosh, we've got to go and find this list. God, what could be on there, do you think? It's going to fill a whole wall. It's going to be... I don't know. Oh, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, hang on. Hello. There he is. Hey, here you go. Oh, he's written something. Okay, he's he's got the list. Something. The <laughs> list is empty. Oh, it's empty. <laughs> what? That is actually quite sad. Oh, poor Alan. It's this empty page of sadness. We'll, we love him. Yeah. We'll write on it that we love him. Why don't we go and get, jump on him and get him to do some breath work and we'll give him a bit of a cuddle? Yeah, I was going to say cuddle. Jump on him sounds aggressive. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't love himself. Let's go beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, a nice cuddle, a soft one. <laughs> we'll go cuddling. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, 
you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. Have to share it. I don't know, just write it.